0: Hey guys, this is Thomas Brown, and welcome to the Thomas Vision Podcast. I'm a filmmaker currently based in Atlanta, and this podcast consists of conversations with the professionals I meet along the way. What's going on, guys? Today, I have a special guest. His name is Denoris Johnson, and we have done a, quite a few projects together. So, I have filmed Denoris's wedding.
1: Oh, yes, yes, you did.
0: We have went to Africa together to film a documentary, and that's mainly what we want to talk about today. Is filming a documentary, um, the experiences, getting started, and just everything we experienced. Uh, well, maybe not everything, because that's just too much for this. You have to watch the documentary to see that. But uh, you know, just a lot of uh, the the I guess uh, fun we had, and also some of the complications we had, and how we solved them. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really interesting. No. So let's uh start things off with uh DeDoris, your wedding. How do we kind of link up there? Well uh <laughs> Well first introduce yourself. I'm sorry about yeah, that. I got yeah, a little bit yeah, of myself. Yeah.
1: Well my name is Norris as as he mentioned. Um, well, let me give a little bit of background okay. about myself first. You know, I I've been working in corporate America now for about thirteen years and uh really on a more software software level. Okay. Uh and then around 2010 I started traveling.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: For work and also for pleasure. Uh, But then what I really like to do is focus when I do travel, focus on the black history, black culture of a lot of places I travel to. And so a few years ago, I started a platform called Travel and Truth. And it was really about traveling to learn more about the truth about black people globally uh, when it comes down to, you know, as as you may know, the history of Africa, the culture. uh, How is it really like when you do travel there? Because the media makes it seem like if you travel to Africa... You're going to get killed, or you're going to get robbed, or you're going to get some weird disease that you never heard about. And so what I really wanted to do was start this platform to dispel all of that.
0: Well, so back up, because that's the juicy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. so how did we meet? Yeah, so we met. Yeah, so I was
1: looking for a videographer for my wedding, and I was also looking for a videographer for this documentary.
0: Mm -hmm. Because
1: my skills can only take me so far. Um and me and my wife went to my wife's Nigerian, so she goes to like a hundred weddings each year. Went to a wedding, I forgot who it was, and I'm sitting up there at a the reception, just minding my own business, and then they bring out a projector.
0: It was K. K and Yemi. 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 Yeah, yes, K yes. and Yemi's wedding. They
1: bring yep. out a projector in the middle of reception and they start playing a video, a video that you filmed and edited...
0: The same day.
1: Same day. (laughs) And I was just blown away that, number one, that at the quality and the level of detail, but then also, number two, at the speed in which you were able to to edit. That
0: was tough, man. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, man. You know, I really don't like doing those because a lot of times, like, for example, with that wedding, and I was really happy with the way the video turned out, uh, but you sometimes... Can miss some things because you're just worried about getting that edit done so Mm -hmm. how i did that was after i finished the prep i just uploaded immediately to the computer and then just started editing editing the prep session and i had an assistant there too kind of dragging media uh, in uh then when i would get to the ceremony as i was filming the ceremony i'm dumping it i'm going back and forth to the camera dumping it uh, to the computer uh and then so right after the ceremony like we had to get all our equipment done and like i mean the ceremony was like the big cuz that ceremony was pretty long for mm-hmm. that one and so it was really hard like getting that edit done and so i missed some of the couple shots and so you really kind of have, have to have a big team if you're going to have to do a same edit so you don't miss anything at all and at that point it was just you know i was just have myself and an assistant. Yeah. So, um. But yeah. But I'm glad I did it because that's how you found me and um, really changed my life. Yeah. Going to Africa, uh, with you. So, um. So yeah.
1: Well, well, you know, the valuable lesson in all that is. Cause first off, and anyone who's ever tried to start a business yeah. or a brand knows it's hard to find talent. Yeah. And a lot of times, people sometimes, especially if they don't think you're a celebrity or you're of level of importance, they will give you subpart effort. And what I liked about what you did was, number one, anytime you film someone, no matter if they're, you know, Beyonce or some person down the block, you give a high level effort. And on top of that, you just never know who's watching. So always do your best because you just never know who's watching. And, you know, fortunately, I was in the room that day and I went to that wedding so I could uh, link up with you.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, taking interest in my work And, like I said, for what we're about to talk to next Africa So now, we, we you already kind of gave a kind of introduction On why you want to go to Africa And, and, and let me say, when you said that How the media portrays, per, portrays Africa Before I went Like, I was talking to my wife And I was like, okay, now where am I going to sleep? What am I, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm like, is there going to be anything for me to eat? And everything was fine yeah, Like, you- we stayed at better places there that, Than the resort You know, that I was in, in Jamaica, Mm -hmm. you know, so uh, Africa is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, And just you got to use common sense. Like there's going to be dangerous places anywhere Mm -hmm. in the world. And, um, but I will say in Ghana, I really didn't see much of any. You know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure some places have the rough places. But but you just gotta be common sense. You know, don't go out late at night by yourself, and um, don't and, flash you know. jewelry. I yeah. mean, it's common sense. Yeah, yeah, just just the same things. But like, it was just so much beauty there. The people were were awesome. It took me a little adjusting when I first got there, um, but um, yeah, I had a great time. So let's talk about let's kind of back up, and because a lot of people want to do documentaries. A lot of people want to do documentaries. I get lots of calls. And one thing is once I... A lot of times the conversation with me like stop with price because it's a lot of work. Like we were there in Africa for... Was it 13 days or 12 days?
1: I knew we flew in. We got there on a Friday. Yeah. We left the following Tuesday. It was
0: definitely over 10 days. Yeah. We it was like there. 11 days. Yeah. Maybe. yeah, So, but then what a lot of people don't realize it's all the research especially for the level we were doing like if you're doing like a maybe a little documentary on a cupcake shop yeah you could do that like in a day you know maybe Mm -hmm. but for this like telling the story right and like africa just has so much history so many different um ethnicity groups how much research did it take before we even went
1: uh months
0: months months
1: if not years and so um and i can talk about Pre-production, I was always talking about post-production and the difficulties of, of doing a documentary in, let's say, a foreign country that's mm-hmm. not Europe or the U.S. But, like, for example, in the U.S., if you want to do a documentary about, I don't know, JFK or mm-hmm. Man, there's so much already available information already out there. You know you can go to this library, et cetera. But when it comes to Africa there's not much information you can find online. So we talk about like the different, there's so many different empires in Africa, much of which you never learned in school. Um, just getting all the information about that type of stuff is, is very difficult. And, and sometimes you end up finding out yourself. Like, so I did some filming in like Zimbabwe, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I did on Zimbabwe, the great Zimbabwe empire. They had this huge empire and they have these huge stone ruins that's there. You can still go and visit. Uh, I did months and months of research just on this alone. And when I got there, 90% of the information I learned was when I got there. So all these months of research I did didn't mean anything. When, when I was actually there, I learned so much more. So it's it's hard to do any uh, uh, prep beforehand to say, okay, this is what the shots we're going to get. This is what we're going to film because you just never know of, of all different aspects to these different cultures, these different ethnic groups, and, and the history behind them
0: yeah so for zimbabwe you did you went before we went to ghana yeah so i spent
1: six months backpacking across africa
0: okay and so the research for that did that also take months yes that took months yes
1: but like i said like it's it's a situation when you actually get there and they're giving you the tour Mm -hmm. it's like this wasn't online this wasn't online this wasn't in the books you know so it's
0: It, it was interesting uh one of the Museums we went to um, was uh, W. E. B. Du Bois Mm -hmm. when we was in Africa, and I'm not sure. Well, you of course you remember. So DeNars is also the host of the documentary we did. He's the producer, uh, director, the host. Like once once he moves into the host role, I kind of moved into the kind of director role of the scene, uh, but he was doing all directing, producing, hosting. I mean, it was just so much work. Uh, and so for the next ones, we're going to try to take some of that off of his plate. But do you remember when we went to the W.E.B. Du Bois Museum that he was actually trying to put together an encyclopedia mm-hmm. of all the history of Africa? And that would have just been you know, amazing. Somebody needs to do it. And so I'm hoping this documentary will kind of be that. So people can find you know accurate information. Yeah, and, about, and yeah,
1: and we say it's a documentary, but really it's a docu series. So yes, yes, we're going to do one on each country. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's something that I think about every, I would say, three nights. I think about that that encyclopedia which he was trying to create, which he died in his 90s before he could finish it. But I do think about like the work I'm doing and 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 what we learned in Ghana about what he was doing, and that's why he ended up dying in Ghana rather than the U.S. That he was uh, working on that encyclopedia.
0: Yeah, I I think um, video now. Oh, first of all, I would love if they would just release it, even though it was unfinished. Uh, I would love if they- I think they released it. Did they release it? it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so they, you can't <laughs> get your hands on it? I okay. think
1: so. I think that's what the lady said. But like I said, he died way before he could yeah. remotely come close to finishing and, and doing his research.
0: You know, what might be cool is um, you know, kind of adding something, but if we can get it and maybe like Show it if, if we can't order it yeah. and kind of show like just what pieces are there
1: mm-hmm. now
0: and then see what uh, Things that are online and then what's in the, I'm pretty sure a lot of things that's not online are in that book And so just to go on what you were saying that might be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah so, so there was another hard part about doing a documentary that you, you told me a lot was finding good help You know there because you don't know anyone there uh, and there's only but so much you can know about, you know, traveling, how long it's going to take, traffic and stuff. So you have to find good people. Uh, how did you go about that, like, finding people in the area? Because that's what you kind of call producing, you know, a producer would do. Uh, so You mean,
1: like, for interviews or? Yeah,
0: well, you know, no, just finding people. Like, you know, we had, like, Geraldine, she was helping us. Yeah. Like, okay. so, assistant, you know, production assistants. Mm-hmm. How'd you go all along, like, finding that? And for the interviews as well, you can go into. A, yeah,
1: so uh, that, that took a lot of reaching out. To to people on instagram okay um i reached out to so many people a lot of them you know didn't really uh respond to me as well say oh i had stuff to do which is why i can't wait to release it let's say yeah. if it does end up getting on any type of streaming platforms Disney it will. plus netflix it will. yeah then i can say okay we're on netflix yeah. then people will be like oh okay. yeah but, yeah, it was hard. I had to go... Th- I would say like I had like a 10% success rate, but I just kept on sending them out to just different people who were already in travel industry. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is I like to already... Uh, I like to contact people who are already having vlogs or they're yeah. already used to being on camera. Yeah. Because truth be told, this wasn't my first time traveling to Ghana. Mm-hmm. The first time I traveled to Ghana, I was interviewing professors and things like that, and they were they were speaking very low. You know, they were speaking very low, or they would... Talk about a concept and it would, you know, something that could have fit in 20 seconds. They stretch it to five minutes, yeah. you know, so I really want to contact people who had their own vlogs, people who are, or, you know, some type of platform online who are used to being in front of the camera. Okay, uh, But yeah, I use Instagram a lot. Um, and then, you know, what we find out and I always say, tell people Africa is random. You never know who you're going to meet. And what that might lead to, you know, when we were filming in Africa, there was one night where I had, uh, well, let me back up for a second. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, I had a, uh, you know, I have friends on Instagram. And one of my friends who I haven't seen in like 12 years since college, she was in Ghana. And my friends contacted me and said, hey, you know, Ashley's in Ghana. You should hit her up. I'm like, I don't really want to hit her up. They're like, well, we already told her you you're in Ghana. So I reluctantly hit her up and say, Hey, I'm in Ghana, you know. And she said, Oh yeah, me and my friends, we're gonna go to dinner tonight.
0: And me and Hamza, Hamza was our assistant that we flew in from Kenya, who's amazing, but we were done. Like Hamza and I, we were grumpy that night. We didn't want to go anywhere. No, so I honestly, remember that night. Yeah. We it was a yeah. night,
1: it was, I think it was a day where we woke up super early. Yeah, and we, we did like filming. eleven
0: hours or something like that. Yeah. And we yeah. was like, Oh, why are you going? We need to sleep. But it was so good that you actually went. Oh, I didn't want night. to go. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It, it
1: was one of the situations after filming for 11 hours, I was like, I'm done. But I, you know, it's one of those things where you make a promise. So I ended up going, and she was with her her friends, and I'm there for like 30 minutes, and I'm about to leave. Yeah. I'm like, all right, five minutes, I'm leaving. Then it's like, uh, they invite another friend to the dinner, and she brings this, this older gentleman, and he sits down, and he's just running his mouth. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> he's just running his mouth, and he's just saying a lot of like, you know controversial yeah. type of things i get up go to the bathroom come back and i hear the one of the girls say oh he has his own wikipedia page and they're looking at the guy's wikipedia page come to find out this guy uh is he's known in west africa as the bill gates of west africa uh herman Chinnery. and you know i at the end of the night i asked him if we could do an interview he said oh yeah come in the morning so we changed our whole schedule around because remember, we were supposed to leave to go to Kamasi. Kamasi, yep. Uh, and we end up doing having this interview. He has a software company, and he just has so many different connections all throughout the world. And he's getting us in contact with different people in Ghana after we did the interview. So one of the persons he got us in contact with was um, Don. Don, yep. Yep, yep. Who invited her to her house, and who later on in the documentary- We met so many
0: chiefs. I mean, so So many, many chiefs, yeah. kings-
1: um, that would have never been possible. And mm-hmm. then we also met the daughter of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah yeah. uh, through Herman Chenery. Uh, and Dr. Kwame Nkrumah is the first president of Ghana. And is to me, if there was like a Mount Rushmore of black leaders, he's on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So, yeah. It, but it all starts, just Africa's just random, man.
0: And, and I talk about networking a lot. That That's how I built my wedding business. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny when we were out there filming. So I remember the first day of filming, we were on a beach. Hamza uh, and I was just getting B-roll and we needed to leave. I forgot why we needed to leave that day, but I think we wanted to film sunset somewhere or something. But uh, Norris was on the beach, just like the politician, just talking to everybody. He found some people. Were they from uh, the U.S.? Mm-hmm. The people, yeah, found some people from the U.S. And... I was like, "Denoris, man, we got to stick to our schedule. Like, we got to go. We can't just be talking to these people for like an hour. And, but Norris doing that throughout the whole trip really, led, like, as he just mentioned, led to it. Because we met so many other people mm-hmm. uh, while we were there that led to other interviews that we wouldn't have gotten. So, you know, networking is just so important. And then
1: and, we end up being on TV.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm shaking my head because Norris. We went there yeah. with.
1: You know, uh, a hand. We went, went there with a, a decent amount of interviews, yeah. and we came back with way more than we. Oh ever my gosh!
0: Before. Filmed the president, filmed King twice. Yeah, yes, twice. Yes, I Was it a
1: festival? Yeah. The president. yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, we don't want to give too much away from it, but uh, I mean, we we really, and I don't think a lot of other people have gotten footage of some of the things that we got mm-hmm. there, especially as as close as we were able to get. Uh, so, um, but I'm shaking my head about the TV because that interview kind of got people riled up, you know, the, the callers. So that was pretty <laughs> interesting. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, about that or are you want to leave that for the doc? Uh, we'll, we'll leave that. Oh, we'll leave that. Out. Okay. But it's going to be really interesting when you, when you, when you see it. Uh, so um, let's now go to, we go there, we film. I mean, we, we get so much great footage. We meet all these great people. What's the hardships once you get done with the documentary? Like you have it now, you have your footage. I mean, we got to edit it, edited, which is on me. You know, that's why we. Oh, oh so I, let, let's. Um, if you guys who are watching, so for those of you who are listening, we film this and we put it on YouTube and we also put it on all the podcasts and streaming services as well. And, um, right now we're in our new studio. We're in the lobby downstairs because we're still doing renovations upstairs. So if you see me like messing with the mics and stuff, uh, that will all be go away because we have a specific, you know, podcast room that we're currently renovating right now. Um, but I forgot where my point, I was yeah, going with that.
1: You're talking about hardships of, oh, yeah, of, yeah. of post-production.
0: Yeah. yeah. The hardship of post-production. So, um... After you get back and all is said and done, well, I, I had a, a reason why I was bringing up the podcast room. It totally lost me. Uh, I, I'll, I'll uh, go back to it. <laughs> but we, you get back, you have all your footage, you have uh, you know all your interviews, but the plight doesn't stop there.
1: Yeah. So th- there was two challenges to me uh, when it comes to post production. One is that and goes back to Africa being random. Um, we, I think I had somewhat of a storyboard of what, mm. before we went there and then, you know, we end up getting twice as many interviews that we originally were scheduled for. So like, how do you storyboard? What goes, what stays? That was kind of t- difficult. The other part that's difficult and it really goes down to, cause there's, there's a lot of history with Ghana, and this is a lesson learned for future docu- uh, future episodes. There's a lot of history with Ghana. There's a lot of archive footage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of archive photos. Where are those things, and, and who owns them? Because you have to get the copyright in order to use them. And, and to me, I feel like with certain concepts, like when we're talking about the ancient um, uh, Ashanti kingdom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to be able to show photos of some of the previous kings from the 1800s, the 1900s to really, you know detail how well or how much how important this empire was but finding who owns these things has been very challenging. So if I like if we were to do a documentary in the US about a US subject, not so difficult. You can either go to Getty's Images, you can go to the Library of Congress, etc. But when it comes to Africa, because number 1 Africa was colonized during this whole time period up until like the 1960s. A lot of that archive footage is held in the UK and Germany. Some of it is. I found the other day, two days ago. There's a, a museum, a monastery, or whatever. Like uh, you know, the, the the people who were going to convert people to Christianity, they had their own photos and photography uh, that they took, and it's in their museums. So. It, for for when you talk about Africa, all the different pieces of their history, the the archive footage, the photos they're all scattered all around the world and finding out who owns them and then trying to get the license to them has been a challenge for me
0: and that's another thing a lot of people may not realize is that you you need to get copyrights for your music, you need to get copyrights for any video clips you're going to use that aren't yours and uh, for the images because you can be sued, you know yeah. for. A lot and lots of money. So you definitely want to make sure that you do all your um, due diligence and you're above reproach on everything. And I think a lot of people don't realize that.
1: I I think that if I could do it all over again, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I I think doing Ghana as the first episode, I think is important because Ghana historically means so much to black people worldwide. So I don't think I could get around that. But going forward, what I would do is I would do all the research, including... uh, Archive footage, music. Before we even yeah. go there, so, because the budget has been blown out the proportions. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you could easily end up. I'm not doing it, but you can. I can see how someone can easily end up spending twenty thousand dollars just on footage, archive photos, mm-hmm. and footage alone. That's how yeah. much it costs sometimes.
0: I've known some documentaries that they thought were going to be small, and they end up spending like a little bit over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars on the whole, mm-hmm. you know, budget for the documentary. So. I, I I know that, but oh, the the one thing I know why I was mentioning uh, the podcast room is because I wanted to mention that you know we have a, a YouTube studio up there as well. We do our YouTube videos, and I was going to say that you do YouTube videos as well because mm-hmm. we didn't mention that that you uh, do YouTube videos. And well, give us some of like the topics of YouTube videos you posted so far because they're really cool information about traveling to um, Africa. And other places. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Some of the videos I do, um, I have one video that talks about, you know, the five misconceptions about Africa, you know, like such as it's dangerous or, you know, Africa's one country or, you know... uh, the different languages and things like that. Um, I have other videos where I really just try to educate people, especially if it's their first time traveling to the mm-hmm. continent on, you know, here are the five things you need to know before you start booking your trip to Africa, you know, because a lot of people, it, it can. And
0: that's why we'll have the studio, guys, because it will be soundproof, <laughs> which we're doing today. So sorry about that, about the train. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it just any, any type of information that I would have needed to learn before mm-hmm. I went to the country the first time. I would I, I type it. I try to put it on my YouTube yeah. channel. Um,
0: I love the one you did about cost and where people think it's so expensive mm-hmm. to travel to Africa versus like Europe because of the flight cost. Yeah,
1: yeah the flight cost to Africa, depending on what time of the year, mm-hmm. it can be range from twelve thousand dollars to twenty two hundred. Dollars, and so people get afraid of the price. But reality situation is when you do travel to Africa, if you know how to travel well, you can find places to stay for like ten dollars a night. Mm-hmm. Or when I was in Ethiopia, I, I stayed at a place for five dollars a night. But then I also stayed at a place in Ethiopia that was like a courtyard Marriott type, and it was like twenty dollars a night. So yeah, you might pay a lot of money up front for the flight, but once you get there, everything is cheaper. You can find food for mm-hmm. very very cheap. I had. If you're up again, I would have like full course meals, big plates for like a dollar. You know? Wow. So it just, yeah. it, when you get there, it's actually cheaper. It lowers your whole cost. So you, it's actually cheaper to travel to Africa versus Paris or Rome, et cetera. Uh,
0: I wanted to ask you about, just, and really briefly, the visa a process because you handle kind of handle the visa process for me I, well, I, I guess in a way because you, you hooked me up with your um, mm-hmm. I guess uh, I'm a, what would you call that type of place
1: uh they handle passports and visas yeah for you. so instead of you sending off mm-hmm. doing all the documentation they handle all that for you and there has yeah. been people I've been using for years so
0: and is that the way that a lot of people should travel they should find a place like that no
1: yeah. I, I typically do it because I just I've been using them for years okay but, uh, I mean you can send your passport and you know, uh, and visa and several information off to the the embassies yourself, and they'll send it back. But I yeah. just you know
0: because there were shots I had to get. Um, I I still have my is it yellow fever? Yellow yeah, fever. your yellow yellow fever card. And you actually need those things because when I went to um, Jamaica, they took me to another um, section so I could show that I had my yellow fever card oh, because really? they looked in the system and seen that I went to Ghana.
1: Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so not every country you need those, but yeah, that's why I do like to go to this com- uh this company because they're typically used to dealing with passports like a few years ago for example, I wanted to go to Sudan. Mm-hmm. Sudan, beautiful country, it has more pyramids in it than in Egypt. But they are the ancient Nubian pyramids. And so I really wanted to go there and film. And I sent off my my passport. And the lady told me, like, hey, you know, there's a lot of drama going on with the U.S. and Sudan. It may take a long time. And it took them, like, I want to say about six weeks in order for me to get my passport back. And they still weren't done. So I had to just say, hey, just send me my passport back because it was just taking too long. So, yeah. Yeah. with a company like that, they know all that information up front. And so That's they typically awesome. warn you.
0: So um, one last thing before we go, just what are like maybe like three tips you can give someone, uh, anyone who are, who's going out there trying to film a documentary uh, just to get started. And I know we gave a lot of tips, like especially doing your research, you mm-hmm. know, ahead of time, uh, making sure that you definitely do your due diligence when it comes to doing copyrights. Um, what about, like, timeline as far as being there? Maybe we can kind of end things there on how it, how you went about setting up a timeline.
1: Yeah, so how I went about setting up the timeline is I knew some of the things that I want to film. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wanted to film, of course, uh, Kwame Nkrumah. I wanted to film uh, the Shanti Empire, so on and so forth. And I, and I drew out what we're going to do each day. So I had a whole plan of this is what we're going to do each day. This is what we're going to film. This is who we're going to interview. Now, of course, Africa's random. Yep. That so whole plan changed. got blown yeah. up or whatever. But, but we
0: really sticked, we, we really stuck to at least the days for the interviews um, yeah. a lot Yeah, yeah. for and except when other things came up. Yeah. But we really did really stick to... Your timeline for it, but sometimes, like for B rolling things, we had to, you mm. know, add a, a couple of things there. But I think it was really helpful because we could have just went like two days not knowing what to film it or just driving around. Mm. Yeah,
1: you know, it's doing a, a documentary. Let's say in your hometown is different because you can just go get B roll any time. Yeah. doing a documentary in another country is a little bit different. And so, you know, what I learned is what Anthony Bourdain does. He sends out a whole crew beforehand. Uh, I think I forgot how many weeks beforehand, but they do all the B roll, and so when he does finally come on, they're not as pressed, you know, to to do a lot. So that's something that I want to do going forward.
0: He passed away, right?
1: Yeah, he passed, he passed away.
0: away. Does 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 someone like take over his show? Now? No, no. Okay, I, I was just curious, and yeah. and
1: and this could be a whole another yeah. subject for a whole other mm-hmm. episode. But I I don't think he owned the license mm. to his show.
0: Okay, and they were just using his name and. Well, yeah, so he
1: actually yeah. if you recall he had another show he had a similar show on another network mm-hmm. and then when he uh, Quit that and moved to CNN. They had to change the name to like parts unknown or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever But I don't think he owned the license to a show Okay, um, whereas I'm trying to own the license to my own show that mm-hmm. way I can least control my own destiny
0: Yeah, and with streaming networks like Netflix Hulu iTunes it's a, well, I won't say it's a lot easier, but it, it, it you have a lot more options. options. Yes. Yeah. Can I
1: talk about, I know you're talking right, but I want no, to talk no. about one thing. And So I, I spent 2015 backpacking across Africa when I came back, because I filmed my whole experience and I edited it to like this little nice little sizzle reel. When I came back, I started to pitch to a lot of networks mm-hmm. and I, I'm not going to name which one specifically, but pretty much any type of network that you can imagine, I pitched it to them. And this is 2016, 17. This is before Black Panther came out, of course. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the networks told me, even the ones that were black, you know, who they focused their audience towards uh, the black audience, they told me that, oh, you know, our target market and uh, well, our research shows that black folks don't care about Africa. You know, they don't care anything about Africa. They don't care anything about learning. You know, they
0: told Tyler Perry the same thing when he was trying to. Get his thing. They yeah, yeah they said that black people don't watch movies.
1: And you know what's so crazy is that uh I, I'm not saying I you know, I fell into a bit of a hole yeah. emotionally. I'm no, not gonna call yeah. it depression, but I felt yeah. I felt, you know, uh because Frustration. frustration. Yeah. Frustration and this I had already put all of this effort into it and you know, but I think it was probably the best thing to happen because now I can control my own destiny. Mm-hmm. Now I can choose what content goes into. I don't have to worry about somebody saying, no, you need to take this part out, mm-hmm. da, da, you know, because that's what happens. So but that that definitely uh, was the case as far as pitching it and and, and moving forward and then you know, now and I own my own license, that's a whole nother subject yeah. that we can get into later about how do you sell your own your uh, your own documentary now that you've actually created it, did the post production, et cetera.
0: Well, once this podcast episode comes out Denoris and I did another video where we talk about uh, filming the documentary, and that's kind of more of a, a interview style. where we'll be showing, you know, just a little bit of B roll from Africa and his travels, and um, you know, giving filmmakers and you know producers, you know, just some ideas on how to go about this process. So that's on my other channel, YouTube.com forward slash Thomas Brown. Um, you can check out Denoris on YouTube forward slash Travel and Truth. Um, and also Traveling Truth on Instagram. And then uh, just travel Traveling Truth. Um, on Facebook. On Facebook. And, yeah. and on Facebook, Traveling Truth as well. And we are hoping for the documentary to get done before the end of this year, 2019. Uh, that's the hope. And a lot of it's on me. But that's. And then, oh, that's why I brought up the studio as well when I was talking about the podcast room, because we'll have an editing team as well. And that's been the hardest thing for me Is building a team so I can get more work done because I just have so much to edit. I mean, I've filmed about, I think about 12 YouTube videos that are just sitting there on my hard drive. I have weddings I have to do. I have corporate stuff. I have new clients who are coming to me. I have the documentary to do. So I definitely need a team so we can get this done because I think the world needs to see this documentary. It's all about
1: scalability, man. Yeah.
0: But thank you, Denora, so much for coming on the podcast today, coming on YouTube with us. And uh, yeah, excited for what we uh, will be doing in the future. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening in today, consider subscribing to the podcast. See you next time.